Well, hello, truckers, backpackers, van lifers, and dirtbags of all kinds. Welcome to Truckers, Dirtbags, and Van Lifers. I'm going to be a little selfish here in episode three, which this is, and let you know the whole goal of this podcast is certainly to maybe give you some education, some enlightenment, and hopefully some entertainment. But this is my baby right now. And the goal of this really isn't to draw a great big audience. My goal with truckers, dirtbags, and van lifers is to have a place to put down my ideas, a place to organize some thoughts, get some ideas from those of you who do listen, and just focus on where I want to be as far as funding my van life adventures after 65. I just hit 62. I've got three years to play with different kinds of additional income to fund this journey. And I'm hoping with the heart of a servant that I can help some other people along the way with some new ideas, some encouragement, maybe some conversation. And maybe you can do the same for me as uh, I go through this process. So this is Buck's three-year journey via podcast. And we'll see where it goes. So with that in mind, I did mention in the last episode, episode number one, that this would be about side hustles, ways to fund that adventure. I want to throw in a real quick thank you to who is making the show possible, though. You know, with the ever-changing face of the economy and shipping and trucking, load boards have never been more important to the independent owner-operator. The right data, the right information, that would be DAT. If you're out there finding your own freight, your own truckloads, nothing beats DAT. DAT is the mother of load boards. They're the oldest load board. They started out way back, I believe, in 1978 when load boards were bulletin boards and truck stops, and there was a guy sitting in front of them. We've come a long way. Now it's an app on your phone, but the data behind it is huge. So with that, you have access to Trucker's Edge and DAT Power, and there's several different levels of each. You can see them all at truckingpodcast.com. You can also try any one of those plans absolutely free for 30 days. Just go to truckingpodcast.com. Follow the link in the sidebar. It's the easiest way to track that. Just go to truckingpodcast.com. Take a look in the sidebar. If you're on the phone, you got to scroll all the way to the bottom. And again, you can try any one of those plans for 30 days absolutely free. More freight, more loads, more broker credit scores, days to pay, all of the data you need to make an intelligent decision. Try haul services, Average lane rates is as low as, I believe, closer than two weeks. It's pretty cool. Some great stuff there. Go take a look. Sign up and give it a shot for 28 days. And if you don't like it, cancel it. But I think you will, and I think you'll stay with it because so many have. With that, here's today. Remote work and side hustles. And in this isn't really my ideas for you. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. As I look over all of the things I have seen that might intrigue me, as I transition into a full-time van life and my desire to cover the trucking industry wanes a little bit and I will be completely out of it. I'm totally immersed in it right now. By the way, if you've ever wondered what it is like to drive a semi-truck into Madison Square Garden, 
Uh, go listen to the latest episode of Trucking Podcast. It'll be out about the same time this is. You might find that entertaining. These are some of the ideas that I've heard of, that I've thought of, and I've actually considered in no particular order. As I look at what I want to do post-trucking into spending more time in the van life arena, not just seeing a Bureau of Land Management land, but other parts of the country, spending time with, with friends and family, uh, maybe living in that van while I'm doing some side hustle work somewhere, and all of those things that go on, and, and, and what van and, and where I'm leaning, we'll save those for another day because those aren't important now. I will say this as I look at these, uh, having just gone through an election cycle, and we're not talking about who won, who lost, but let's be real this country is going to see a lot of major changes over the next three years that will greatly affect what transportation looks like, personal vehicles and otherwise. So those are all things that are a little bit unknown, and, the, and I do have to take them into my equation. So with that, let's look at some of the ways Buck's been looking at making a little extra money. Now, the funny thing is, as I'm sitting here in the truck stop, I just had to pause because someone knocked on my door, edited out. And it's some guy who looks homeless, carrying stuff that wants to polish my chrome. Which I find ironic, because at 3 a.m. I may get a knock on my door from a woman who wants to polish my chrome. And I give them all the same answer. No, please get away from the truck. On to the uh, subject at hand. Remote work and side hustles. Right now, I'm doing the trucking podcast and backpacking strong. Um, I'm not doing a lot other than just maintaining those sites, keeping them updated. But they are there. And the Trucking Podcast does generate maybe not quite the kind of money I would love to be earning in van life days, but it's not that far off. That being said, I am tired of writing for Google. I'm tired of uh, playing their game. It's not doing what I'm passionate about. It, it's, it's trying to please search engines. And let's be totally honest. I have done a lot of research on this. Google might not even be a search engine in three years. It will still be Google, but it might be something else. The face of everything is changing right now. You'll find uh, uh, Facebook. Zuckerberg has lost 60% of his uh, net worth in the last uh, election cycle uh, for a lot of different reasons and different decisions. But he's, uh, Facebook is not the, the place it used to be. It's not as viable as it once was, not as many places on it. And you'll notice if you go on Facebook and scroll to see what's going on with friends and family, you see much less of friends and family. And that's intentional because he's trying to uh, swing it to be a little more like tic uh, TikTok. So we don't know what these are going to look like. Google, if you look at Google, where maybe an article I wrote shows up number nine in search results, which used to be the bottom of page one, well, now page one has three or four ads, then a half a page of YouTube videos, and then maybe three articles, and then you lather and rinse and repeat for page two and three. So my, you know, bottom, towards the bottom of page one article that used to get maybe a thousand visits a month, now gets nothing because it's at the bottom of page three. So those are the changes I'm talking about that I'm just, I'm just tired of trying to please. And there are not necessarily workarounds, but different ways to do things. And I don't know if I want that kind of a business. 
So these are all things I'm thinking out loud as I go about this. So one of the first ones is, what if you worked three months out of the year on something that paid well? Now, there's where I have one advantage. I still have a commercial driver's license, and as long as I can keep my diabetes under check, I can just renew that license every year because I have to renew my health card every year. Let me be more specific. But I can just renew that health card every year and run three months a year for, you know, some of the companies I know that would always bring me in for three months, uh, whether it be hauling livestock or or back in Green Bay with a couple of the uh, businesses I know there. And a commercial driver's license is a very marketable commodity. It will be for quite some time. The money is good. So that is a very viable option, and that may be. And then everything I made on that would basically fund my my fuel bill for the other nine months. So that's a direct possibility. Uh, I could mix that with, you know, time to visit uh, in the wintertime maybe, hang out with grandkids and, and stuff like that and see family. So that's an option. One option that a lot of people like, and I've pretty much ruled it out for me because it just it, it doesn't intrigue me. It just doesn't sound like what I would like to do, but I, I get it. And that would be being a camp host somewhere. I don't know what kind of money being a camp host pays, if anything, but it does come with a free place to camp for the season. But it also comes with a lot of responsibilities, and you're kind of married to that campground. So I'm not sure if that would float my boat at all. It just doesn't sound like... Uh, Something I'd like to do. Now, beyond that, within the port, part-time jobs, another one that uh, really frequents hard to RVers, specifically RVers, specifically you know, middle-aged and older adult RVers and even retired people in good health, and that is a program called Amazon Camp Force. And I heard about this a few years back. I've uh, searched it through Reddit and some other forums, and I've... Uh, found people who have done it and they do it every year and it's it's hard work it's repetitive work but it's honest work and you're not expected to run back and forth and bust your butt but you're expected to work every day it, they're long days in some cases you might be doing 10 hour days six days a week but amazon camp farce camp farce camp force freudian slip there is seasonal work usually firing up somewhere uh, mid-October, and that'll run through Christmas, working at Amazon uh, big fulfillment centers and warehouses that come with a campsite. They come with an RV spot, so you have a place to plug in to get your electric, to take care of things. I don't know if they have full hookups, but I do believe they all have water and electric. They have these in Portland, Oregon, Houston, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Cincinnati, Ohio, Lexington and Louisville, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, and Tampa, Florida. And that is off of Amazon Workforce or Camp Force's website. Their pay is uh, pretty good from what I hear. So there would be another great way to, uh, let's say it was, uh, let's just pick 15 bucks an hour and 10 hours a day with some overtime in there. Well, that's, uh, you know, 15 times 11 every day, six days a week, or we'll, we'll figure it out because once you get over 40, you get time and a half. But if you put that money aside, and you're living off of what you normally live off, and your camp camp fee is paid, that ain't a bad gig. And I'm sure that's gone up above the 15 since then. But, you know, that's a good alternative. You, you embrace the suck, and you work till Christmas, and then you go about your year, and that's your gas money, or your diesel money, or, or camp fee money, or whatever the case may be. 
So that is an alternative, and that's I don't know if I would consider that one. I might do it once or twice. Just I'd, I'd really be intrigued in doing it once just to say I did it and to uh, talk about the experience. Other part-time jobs, we talked about my driver's license, uh, the value of getting one of those if you wanted to do, you know, drive a school bus part-time or something. There's so many different things you can do. Uh, so that's something that would be available to anyone. From there, just other part-time jobs, whether it was anything from if you have a white-collar job, maybe somebody wants to hire you to help with accounting through uh, the tax season, uh, stuff like that bookkeeping on the side, things like that. There might be places where you can use that skill. The neat thing with jobs like that is you might be able to find places where you can do that remotely. You can do that as long as you have great internet access and a cell phone. So you just have to be a little more careful about where you go when you work. And if you're a van lifer, you know, that might be uh, with a good wife, a good uh, internet plan on your phone in a Walmart parking lot somewhere while you work all day. A lot of alternatives there in, in uh, that kind of remote work. Also part-time jobs, whether it be waiting tables, tending bar, sacking groceries, working in an outdoor store. Uh, one of my dream part-time jobs would be working in an REI seasonally. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but it's fun to think about just because I love their stuff. And that would I would probably spend everything I make uh, on their employee discount. So I don't know if that would be a good idea, but there are a lot of part-time gigs. And I think your goal would be not to find three or four different part-time gigs every year, but find one or two and just try and repeat those same employers year after year for those gigs if all they're doing is paying for your gas and maybe subsidizing your fuel. You know, they're paying your fuel bill, maybe a little bit of groceries, things like that. So those are ideas. Getting into maybe what I hear the most of, one of those is, is freelance work, whether it's freelance photography. I am not a photographer, so that's not up my alley, but I know a lot of van lifers who do very well selling their, their work or doing contract work. And I will tell you, original pictures are golden Editing, whether you're, whether you're editing video, uh, maybe you're editing for a YouTuber with, with a given price on, on, you know, how long the video is or how much they have. But if you're good at editing and that's the kind of thing you enjoy, editing videos, a lot of things like that, writing, virtual assistant, uh, career coaching, life coaching, things like that. Uh, one of the probably better websites to look at, just to make you think outside of the box as far as um, what I would call side hustle, gig economy, piecework, where you can post your talents and, and uh, solicit work. One of those would be Upwork. Upwork is where I have gone several times to find writers or somebody to go into my WordPress site and correct things that are over my head. If you have some technical skills, technical interests, go look at Upwork and see if there are people in, in your niche that are doing fine and that'll tell you all you need to know the nice thing with that is that can be very location independent uh, maybe you book five blog articles on monday and you're gonna do your research on those articles monday while you have good cell service and then you're off in the woods somewhere you write all of those offline you get back in friday and you finish them out with the appropriate links and things and send them off so uh a lot of choices there, but Upwork would be a good place to just get ideas. You can find everything there. Graphic artist, 
uh, custom postcards. I mean, you name it. Somebody will design T-shirts, graphic design. If, if it's any kind of a freelance work, you will find it on Upwork. And there are some competitors to Upwork. Fiverr comes to mind. I prefer Upwork over Fiverr uh, just because it's a little higher quality of worker for the most part. Now we get into some of the more traditional ways that uh, a lot of these people are funding their adventures. And I like these. Number one would be, uh, you'll see a lot of them now, Google owns YouTube. So this is why when you search Google, you get a lot of YouTube results that show up before Google. And it's one of the things that really hurt me on the trucking podcast. Truckers would rather watch a a video than read my blog, uh, especially on a cell phone. And the data I get on who is reading my blog uh, and the device they're on is showing some truth to that. So let's jump into that right off the bat, YouTube. Uh, YouTube has some requirements on how many subscribers you need. Uh, but YouTube is there for anybody to throw in their hat. The water is warm. It doesn't mean everybody's going to make money. It takes a lot of work, a lot of commitment, a lot of editing. Pick your niche and look at what's working. And just, you know, can you match or beat that? Can you bring a new angle to that that people are looking for? The wonderful thing, again, about YouTube, though, is it shows up in search results. And YouTube has one other uh, advantage over say, writing an article. If I wrote an article on how to filter your water in your van, not your radiator water, how to filter drinking water in your van. If I wrote that article, you're going to go and you're going to read one article. You're probably not going to read six. But if you go to YouTube, you're going to find six videos and you're very more likely to run through all, you know, three or four of those videos. So, the searchability of YouTube is very good, and that may not last forever. So it's if YouTube is your thing, uh, come on in, the water's warm. That being said, YouTube has really cut what they pay way down, and the qualifications to be paid have gone way up. So it is a more competitive field than ever, but come on in, the water is warm. I will be honest, when I was trying to decide whether I want to do truckers, dirtbags, and van lifers via podcast or via YouTube. And it was one of the deciding factors was the fact that this would be more of a talking heads podcast rather than live on. And I had just broken a tooth and it was right next to my front teeth. So anything you'd see me on on YouTube, I would have a hole in my head where a tooth used to be. And I thought that was just divine intervention. This is going to be a podcast, not a YouTube channel. So here we are via the podcast. With that said, um, podcasting would be another venue. I would suggest both podcast and YouTube. You you are still going to need a website. So in either of those, you're going to uh, do a website. If I know a lot of people just have uh, their YouTube channel and then an Instagram account or something like that. And you could do the same with a podcast. I would recommend having a place to call home, even if there's not a lot, not a lot of content there. Blogging. Here's what's nice about blogging. If you're in the right niche, 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 I don't care. Please don't correct me because, again, I don't care. If you're in the right niche and you have something people are reading, the nice thing about blogging is you have time this week, you write four articles. Next week, you're out on a trail. You don't do a darn thing. The week after, you're busy, but you write two articles. Three weeks after that, you don't do a thing for three weeks in a row because you're off on a big adventure or maybe you just don't feel like it. 
those articles are still out there and they're ranking every day. So the passivity of your income blogging, if you can generate the traffic, is a wonderful thing. I, I have gone weeks at a time without putting anything out on the trucking podcast. And people go back and they find the, the website, they find the links because they're looking for something at the time. And I get the rewards of that. So that's where the blogging, I think, really has its advantage. But again, it is very competitive and you're playing Google's game. So uh, if, if blogging or podcasting or YouTube um, jumps out at you, if you want to reach out to me, I'll throw you out some links of, and not affiliate links, just here's where I go looking next. I don't want to get into it here, but reach out because I would love to uh, have some communication with some of you people anyway. Hey, where do you recommend I start? I can recommend some YouTube channels, some web pages to look at. If you're thinking of any of those, these are the go-to places that I would start. So with that, other ideas um, beyond that, auto repair would be a very tough thing to do, like RV repair. I'm going to do services, oil changes, and things like that. You're not going to get away with doing those in campgrounds. You're not going to get, get away with doing those in RV parks. Most automotive work is going to be a very tough mobile job for a van lifer or, or for a dirtbagger who wants to subsidize their income. But there is a twist in there, and there's a lot of online training to do this, and that would be RV repair. A good RV mechanic is very hard to find. If an RV is broke down in a campground, they want it up and running and out of there. They may want it towed, but I mean, if it's if somebody has a a furnace that died, they want the roof inspected and sealed. Uh, the, their refrigerator stopped running. They have a wiring issue. Uh, they broke a pipe. Those are things you can probably do in the RV park with the park owner's blessing, no doubt about that. So RV repair is something you could train on and you can find a lot on YouTube. Uh, just search for some RV repair certification courses and things. And I think a lot of that is stuff you can do online, but that is a viable thing. That could be a very lucrative thing for the right person, especially if you have some sort of a schedule, at least part of the year where I know in the Midwest, I want to be at these three campgrounds because that's where I'm going to make the most money, winterizing RVs, stuff like that. I mean, we, we have an RV on a site uh, in Wisconsin and yeah, it, it's nice to have a mechanic that will come out, a, a tech that will come out and seal the roof, uh, winterize it, things like that we may need help with, uh, fix some problems. That is nice to have. So that is a very viable one for the right person. A couple of other things that I am, and then like I say, I'm still, I haven't ruled a lot of this out, only a couple of them. And I'm just thinking outside of the box. And as other things come to me, I'll talk about them on future episodes. How about Etsy? I, I ran into somebody who made $20,000 last Christmas season building the same necklace over and over and over. 20,000 bucks in the Christmas season. It's very seasonal. They stopped selling the first of the year and they will probably pick up again this year. I don't know if, if they will do as well, but that's pretty exciting. You know, if you can on your own through the course of the year, put together these things on the side and maybe it's not necklaces. Maybe it's uh, knitting hats. Maybe it's knitting. I, I don't know. Whatever your talents may be, male or female, is there a product you can make or a product you can buy and monogram or, or whatever the case may be? Etsy is a very viable platform. It's also a lot less money than selling on eBay. 
even though they, you know, every one of these platforms is going to take a cut, whether it's eBay, Etsy, whatever the case may be. The cool thing with Etsy is, is you could also have a website and be promoting them to buy it right off your website. And then you don't have to pay anybody anything. But what could you sell on Etsy? Anything from, just go look. What, what, what interests you that you would like to sell? I remember hearing an interview from a, a full-time RVers that made a good source, a good chunk of their annual income off of Etsy. And they would sell nothing but what they could send in the mail and it fit in an envelope. Now, that's a pretty broad spectrum when you figure the size of a, of, you know, like a business, big business size uh, manila folder that you can drop in the mail. But uh, magazine ads from old magazines, what they really loved was historical documents, old maps. Maybe they'd find an atlas from the 30s or 40s or 50s and they might break it up and sell it page by page. All things that they could get the order, drop it in the mail. That that was their criteria. They'd pick these things up on the road. They'd sort them out. They'd list them on Etsy. And as the orders came in, they would fulfill them and send them U.S. mail from wherever they were. Um, that is a very viable possibility for a lot of people. The downside of Etsy is when you hit the mother load and you're selling a lot of stuff, those numbers are public so everybody can see what's working. And, and now you do have competition. But... Uh, if you're afraid of competition, you know, go go hide under a rock because it's out there. So uh, I wouldn't look at competition as a reason not to do it. But Etsy, eBay, Facebook Marketplace, what can you buy and sell that you could do while mobile? Uh, kind of a neat concept. Uh, some of the things with that, and I don't know how this would work, but uh, like a dirt bagger, a hardcore backpacker, if you're going to be off on a trail for three weeks, you need to be able to shut that off or put notification that you know these will be fulfilled in three weeks. So there's a little piece of things you have to stay on top of, but they're great ideas. Within um, Amazon, and, and you know, a lot of people with a blog, myself included, do have a few Amazon links. I have never promoted Amazon hard. Uh, Amazon also cut their commission when COVID started way back in, what, like March of 2020? When COVID hit, that was about the same time, Amazon dropped their commission from most things paying 7% to 3%. So if you sell a $50 item, you used to make 350. And now you make a buck and a half. Not not really a fair trade there, but it is what it is. So Amazon as far as just affiliate links and selling their stuff is not as lucrative as it once was, but it is a supplement to a blog should you have one. And things you can talk about on a podcast or a YouTube channel or what the case may be. But one of the things Amazon does offer, and I don't know a ton about this because it intrigues me in no way whatsoever, but I do know several people who do it. I do know several people who are sitting on $10,000 worth of stuff that isn't selling, too. So you really need to know what you're doing. But that is arbitrage. Maybe you are in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're in a Walmart store with an overabundance of a particular kind of hair dye. I'm just going to pick something random. Hair dye women's hair dye and it is on clearance for 250 a bottle because they discontinued it in the store and they've got 80 bottles left over you go on amazon and you find that bottle is selling for nine bucks all day long on amazon so you buy up all of the bottles they have or as many as you want to afford you ship them to amazon and then you sell them on amazon under fulfilled by amazon they ship it out for you and i believe they take a third of the profit the catch is, what if 
500 other people did the same thing you did and found that product somewhere else and it's just sitting there at Amazon. At some point, you either need to take it back or deal with it. And I don't know what the expense is for unsold product, but Amazon is not going to warehouse your stuff forever. So there could be some issues there. But I think at some point, you would just cut your loss and dump the stuff for whatever you could get out of it. But arbitrage, again, I don't know a lot about it other than the concept. doesn't intrigue me at this point. Facebook Marketplace, there are quite a few people doing that. And the interesting thing with that is if, if you're sitting, uh, maybe you're going to spend a month in San Diego. Uh, you can flip a lot of stuff right there in San Diego on Facebook Marketplace while you're there. If you know how to buy it and how to sell it quick. Uh, you sure don't want to get stuck with a lot of stuff, so you want to do that carefully. Uh, you might even have the time and the space to uh, find something on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever and actually uh, either flip it and make a few bucks on it or improve it and make a lot of money on it. Uh, just do a little thinking outside of the box. You'll hear, uh, oh, there's YouTube channels of people finding old pallets and making some sort of artwork or furniture out of an old pallet. And yeah, it's labor intense. A van lifer is probably not going to do that, but there might be other things they do with those old pallets. Just be creative. But uh, that, again, could be Facebook Marketplace, Etsy, eBay. You've got a lot of places to go with that. And, you know, I could go on and on and on with hundreds of other things. For me, for the next three years as I transition into this, I think I'm going to stick with podcasting. Uh, for now, I will stick with the trucking podcast and Backpacking Strong. This site will uh, mostly go to Backpacking Strong because that fits more into where I look to go in the future. But the two do intertwine in some ways. I do own uh, truckersdirtbagsandvanlifers.com. And I may start a site for that specifically for this podcast. We'll see how that goes. We'll see if I uh, can draw an audience what do you need help with? What is your dream that you're not sure how to fulfill? Uh, what tools are you using to find that dream? I will tell you now, I, I'm working with a coach. I am uh, taking some online classes. One of my goals is to be more entertaining. Nobody wants to hear Buck just rattle off boringly. So how can I be more entertaining? How can I draw more attention and keep your attention and how can I bring you more value that's where I'm at now and that's where I'm going to leave off you can just go right on to uh, Backpacking Strong there's contact stuff there or it is backpackingstrong at gmail.com that'll go straight to my phone I would love to hear from you I will try and get this next episode out within two weeks I am in the process of, as I've mentioned before, I served, I've served the uh, mostly the concert tour industry as a company driver. Uh, the tour I'm on is, is winding down this week, and I don't know what the next tour will be, but I can guarantee you it will not give me the free time this last one has. And again, if you would like to hear uh, about the madness of serving a, a concert tour as it goes in and out of Madison Square Garden. I'm going to be talking about that over at the Trucking Podcast, along with a few other things. So hopefully we will talk to you there. Keeper between the ditches, shiny side up. Uh, guys, we are going into winter. Embrace the suck. Let me know what you do to keep warm. If you are a van lifer and you are going to 
endure a Canadian winter, a northern, uh, a mid-northwest winter, an upper northwest winter, somewhere where you're seeing below zero especially. I want to hear how you do it. Not just how you stay warm, but how do you keep all of the stuff in your vehicle from freezing without leaving the engine running? Um, I found that I spent a lot of time last winter in my car out on the road. And wow, it was easy to keep me warm at night, but trying to keep my food from freezing, and especially when you have a job and you've got to leave it parked for 12 hours, trying to keep my, my electronics safe and all of those things. How do you do that? Let me know how you do that. I would love to hear from you. And again, backpackingstrong at gmail.com goes right to my Gmail address on my phone. Shiny side up, keep it between the ditches, people, and we will see you out there, dirtbaggers everywhere.